They are the high kids. Your host today is Hunter. Good afternoon and welcome to the High Kids Show for Kids Bar Kids. Thank you so much for tuning on 101.9 High FM. My name is Hunter and I'm 10 years old and I will be hosting for you today. So coming up on Clark Kids today, I will be interviewing Simon Gear and he is a climatologist. And so stay tuned to 101.9 High FM to learn more about what global warming is and how we can save the planet. Also on the show, I have a riddle to challenge your mind and a tongue twister to challenge your tongue. So stay tuned. You don't want to miss this kids show. Here are the details if you have any questions for my guest or if you want to say hi to your friends and family. The SMS number is 34519 and is charged at 11.50. You can send me a telegram on 061-895-1019. And please don't forget to sign your name. You can also call us on 010-140-1019. 3020 I repeat 0101403020 Get ready for a jam pack show on Hackets today I'm malicious mean and scary my sneaker turtle dairy and violence wise my hands are not the cleanest But despite my evil look and my temper and my heart, I've always yearned to be a touch of penis. Can't you see me at the stage performing Mozart? Tickling the ivory still they bleed. Yes, I'd rather be called deadly, but my killer show too deadly. Go, cause way down deep inside I've got a dream. On an island that I own, and rested and alone. 
Surrounded by enormous piles of money. I've got a Kids by Kids. They are the High Kids. Your host today is Hunter. That song was I've Got a Dream from Tangled. This is High Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Hunter and I'm your host for today. Before we start the interview with Simon Gear, today's riddle is what building has the most stories? I repeat, what building has the most stories? If you know the answer, please send me an SMS with the answer on 34519 or 061-895-1019. I've Simon Gear with me in the studio today. So if, if you have any questions for him, you can send them on 34519 or telegram to 061 895 1019. Good afternoon, Sam. Good afternoon, Simon Gia. <laughs> Good afternoon, Hunter. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you today. You too. How are you? I'm very, very well, thanks. It's, it's nice to be back on Kai. What is a climatologist? So a climatologist is, is basically a weather, a weather scientist. So they, they study the, the long-term weather effects. So we're not necessarily the guys who, uh, who show up on the TV and tell you what the weather's going to be tomorrow. Um, although that is a job that I did for many, many years. Um, but they study, uh, rather what the weather was like, you know, 10,000 or 2 million years ago and what we think the weather's going to be like in the future. What made you choose this career path? So climatology is part of geography. So, you know, um, and my dad was a geography teacher. So I, when I was at school, I thought maybe I would be a teacher as well. I thought I'd teach either geography or English. So I did geography uh, at university at Fitz, just down the road from where High FM is. And, and then while I was at university, I became aware that one of the best climatologists in the world was there. Well, one of our professors, a guy called Professor Peter Tyson who's retired now, but I realized, you know, if you're going to be in a department with one of the world leaders, then that's clearly what you should study. So I decided to do climatology in my honors year, and I did my, you know, my honors project on um, on aspects of climate change. And then when I left university, my, my two big interests when I was at university was, um, was art and drama. Uh, so doing something like this, like being, you know, being on a, a kid's radio show would have been exactly the sort of thing that I would have wanted to do. So arts and drama is the one thing, and then um, climatology was the other. So I looked for jobs that in incorporated both of those things, and the only thing I, that I could think of to do was to be a TV weather guy. So I, I, I became one of those. And that's uh, broadly um, 
how my career went from there. That's amazing. Where was your first job? Oh, my first job. Um, my first job was when I was about 12. I had a paper route back in the day where kids still had paper routes. I used to deliver the Randberg Sun, which was uh, the local community uh, newspaper. And I absolutely hated it. It was hard, horrible work on a Thursday afternoon. Um, but since then, I've done all sorts of interesting things. Spent time on kibbutz when I was about 18. Uh, went overseas for a while and, and spent some time in Israel working on a kibbutz. And I've worked as a street mime, which is basically a sort of clown who uh, works at shopping centers. Um, yeah, so I've done all sorts of interesting things. What is the difference between a climatologist and a climate scientist? Uh, the, they, they are the same thing. A climatologist is just the name for a, a, climate, a climate scientist. What, um, what some people get confused with is the difference between a climatologist and a meteorologist. So... So meteorologists are the guys who, who forecast the weather, you know, who, who work out whether it's going to rain tomorrow. Whereas climatologists work out whether the weather is going to be very, very different in a hundred years time. So broadly, we say that meteorology is the weather that you can see from horizon to horizon. And climatology is what go, oh, you know, and what happens next week. And climatology is what happens, you know, right away around the globe and over time spans of sort of hundreds or thousands of years. What do you have to study to become a climatologist? So climatology is a science. So, um, uh, let's think first about the, the subjects that you would need at school. So you would certainly need maths. Uh, and you would need physical science, so physics and chemistry. And uh, beyond that, uh, some of the other good subjects to take would be geography and um, and maybe some biology. But certainly ge- uh, geography would be a, a very, very good one. And when you go to university, um, then you'll be in the geography department. Uh, these days, often called the environmental studies department. And... Um, uh, and you would, uh, if, if there's sort of various ways you can do it. So I didn't do maths and science at university, although I have got a, a science degree. I, uh, I really just did the slightly sort of softer, the sciences, um, in, in geography. And so my climatology is far more about understanding the patterns, um, that's, uh, that's, that go on. Um, whereas some of the guys that I worked with, uh, were computer scientists who used computers to, uh, to model what what the weather was going to be, so um, so there can be a, a path into climatology from people who are really interested in computer programming and maths and those sort of things. That is very interesting. How long did it take you to become a climatologist? So my um, my degree was four years. The, the uh, so I, you know you do three years of an undergrad, which gives you a bachelor's. And then I did my honours in climatology. And then I actually went back to university many years later, um, when I already had children. Uh, and I did a master's. But I didn't do my master's in climatology. I did my master's in environmental science and uh, focused more actually on savannah ecology, uh, which is basically the study of what happens in Kruger. But, you know, having that climate background, I was very interested in the way that as the climate changes, how would places like Kruger have to adapt. That is spectacular. How long have you been a climatologist for? Gosh, well, I'm 46 now, and I graduated when I was 21, I suppose. So, um, yeah, 25 years, eh? quarter of a century. 
Is an environmentalist the same thing as a climatologist? So yes and no. So um, so a climatologist is a type of environmentalist, I suppose, or an environmental scientist. So the the you know the the study of of climatology is conducted within the Department of Environmental Science at at universities, and in fact, my degree is called a Master's in in Environmental Science. And so when I have to introduce myself, when I tell people what I do for a living, I don't actually say I'm a climatologist. I say that I'm an environmental scientist, which is um, a little bit more accurate because that's, you know, I don't only worry about issues of, of, um, of weather. I actually do a whole lot of stuff around air pollution and then also, um, you know, things related to, to climate change and to, uh, and to environmental changes, you know, in, in ecosystems. And in fact, if we're going to be really, really picky on this, an environmentalist is actually not a scientist. Um, an environmentalist is someone who cares very, very deeply about the, uh, about the environment. Um, and who, uh, might start clubs or raise money or raise awareness about environmental issues. So, um, while you have to go to university to become an environmental scientist, anyone, even a, a a kid of ten could become an environmentalist tomorrow. They're a little. How do you know if it's going to rain tomorrow? Often I don't, and I get it wrong. <laughs> but the, um, the we're actually quite good at at being able to predict these sort of things, and um, a lot of it is about looking at uh, where where the patterns are now, and predicting where they're going to move, and where the patterns actually move in fairly predictable ways. So if you can see that a cold front is coming across the Atlantic, then you know it's going to rain in Cape Town maybe in sort of two or three days' time, and then maybe in Durban, you know, three or three or four days after that. And so what uh, meteorologists do is they uh, they 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 measure what the weather is all around the country every single day, and they do that in two different ways. One is that they have a whole lot of weather stations, and they get the data from that. So they measure the temperature and the amount of rainfall and the humidity and the number of clouds and all of those sort of things. They get all of that data from all around the country. Then the other thing they do is they actually look at at satellite images. So photographs taken by satellites so that they can see where the weather patterns are. And then they take all of that information and they put it into very, very big, strong computers. And that computer will then run a model and uh, it's essentially a very big, powerful computer program, and that will then be able to predict what the weather's going to be like over the next uh, week to, you know, maybe 10 to 14 days. Um, and there are some types of forecast where we can work out whether it's going to be a slightly hotter summer coming up or a slightly wetter summer, um, you know, those sort of things. Right now, there are heat waves in Europe. How do heat waves occur? So there's two answers to that, Hunter. Um, the first is that a heat wave typically occurs when we have high pressure. So high pressure in South Africa brings us exactly the sort of weather that we see during uh, Johannesburg's winters. So clear blue skies, very, very dry weather, um, and not particularly cold. So although we think that it gets quite cold in Johannesburg, it actually doesn't really. I mean, you know... Uh, the middle of a of a, a winter's day, it's usually sort of 17, 20 degrees Celsius. Whereas, um, you know, in somewhere like Toronto in Canada, 
it, you know, or Moscow in Russia, it can be minus 20 degrees Celsius in the middle of winter. So what happens is you get that high pressure system and it sits over a country and it sits there and allows a lot of sun to bake down into that country. Um, and often the sinking of the air in that high pressure system actually warms as it sinks. And so you get this very, very hot weather over the space of about a week. And that's what, what causes a, um, a heat wave. The other answer to that is why are we getting more heat waves now than normal? You know, what is causing the sort of heat waves that we've seen in Europe in the last, uh, in the last little while? And that is almost certainly climate change. That is, the warming of the atmosphere, the warming of the whole planet that we're experiencing because of the amounts of carbon dioxide that we've put into the uh, into the atmosphere, uh, and that is a far more long-term uh, aspect. So that particular heat wave wasn't caused by climate change, but um, the fact that we get more heat waves in general is something that is caused by climate change. How does a heat wave impact the rain? So when you've got a high-pressure system like that, it, it blocks the rain, essentially, okay? And so you can't get the weather systems that would come in normally and, um, and give you rain. So if you think about the South African example, so we've got Johannesburg in the middle of South Africa, and down in the southwest, we've got Cape Town. And there's a high-pressure system that sits over the middle of South Africa in winter. And there's all sorts of various reasons for that, which um, well, we won't go into now. But the rain that comes into Cape Town in winter is brought by things called cold fronts. And those come sweeping in from the Atlantic and they bring rain to Cape Town. But you'll notice they don't come up over, over the central parts of South Africa and bring rain to Johannesburg. They sort of slide along the coast. And the reason for that is you've got that high pressure system in the middle of the country and that blocks, it almost works like a shield and it blocks that cold front and stops it from getting into the interior. So that's basically how heat waves stop it raining. Where does rain come from? The sky, Hunter. It comes from the sky. Uh, no, so what happens is um, you... Uh, how should we explain this? So there's a lot of moisture in the, in the, in the atmosphere, okay? Um, and uh, so this is water that has been evaporated and... Um, is existing like water vapor in, you know, up, uh, up in the air. And the warmer the air is, the more water vapor it can hold. But as it gets colder, it finds that it can't hold all that water vapor. And so you start getting clouds forming. And um, the more water vapor is, the denser that that cloud becomes. And all of those little water droplets knock together and they, and they, and they, um, they sort of build up. And eventually they become so heavy that um that they that they actually fall as rain. And um one of the things that's required for a, a cloud to start like that is a tiny little speck of dust around which each um water droplet can form. So every single rain drop that you that you see has a tiny little speck of dust inside it, which is a, a, around which that raindrop has has formed. Is rain just made from water? Mostly, yes. Um, it's, uh, it's, uh, I mean, yeah, the sh- uh, it is mostly water. Um, there are other impurities in it, obviously, as well. Like I mentioned earlier, you get these little specks of dust around which it forms. And we're now also finding that every single um, drop of rain 
has little bits of pollution in it as well, um, chemicals that we're calling forever chemicals. So these are, you know, we've put, poured, poured so much pollution into the atmosphere in the last 150 years that now every single drop of rain that falls on the planet actually has these little impurities, these little chemicals in them that, um, you know, that uh, are, are sitting right the way around the, the planet. Now, whether that makes rainfall dangerous for us, no, it doesn't. I mean, we can still drink it, of course we can. It's, it's, it's very, very tasty water. Um, but it is quite concerning that uh, our activities as human beings have been so strong and been going on for so long that we can now see that um, that impact even in individual raindrops. That is very interesting. How has the climate changed over the past 10 years? Oh, good question. Um, so the the climate is, uh, the, the last 10 years have seen, um, I think, seven or eight of the warmest years on record. So, um, so you know, we've set consistent records for global temperatures in the last decade. And and that doesn't mean the hottest that the Earth has ever been. Uh, back in the Jurassic, when um, when the big dinosaurs were roaming around, the Earth was actually warmer than it is now. But certainly in terms of uh, while humans have been around, we're now in the warmest period that humans have ever had to cope with. Um, and we're definitely seeing that impact now, you know, that, that every single year climate records are being broken. And so we're living in a, in a, a very interesting but quite scary period of the Earth's history where we've changed the climate that it is now actually changing quite quickly um, to heat up. And we're not quite sure what's that, what that's going to mean for humans. Has the climate cha- How has the climate changed over the past 50 years? Over the past 50 years, we have seen that gradual warming as well. So, uh, so obviously, in the last 10 to 15 years is when we've had the, um, uh, the actual records being broken. But we started seeing uh, the, that, that warming period happening probably about 100 years ago, maybe even a bit more, um, when the Industrial Revolution started. So from about the 1880s onwards, we saw, you know, we saw evidence of this uh, of this warming beginning to happen. Uh, what was a little bit weird is actually in the 70s, which was around about the time I was born, there was actually a cooling period. And there are some theories that say maybe we were about to dip into an ice age then, but the, that our global warming actually reversed that. Um, but it's impossible to know that one way or the other. So the climate does change um, naturally. But when we talk about climate change, what we're talking about is is the amount that the weather is changing above and beyond the natural change. And that's something that humans are responsible for. What do you do for fun? <laughs> um, I do a whole bunch of things. Um, my absolute favorite thing is to be in the bush. Um, so I love the Kruger National. And if I could go and live there, I'd be the happiest man alive. And particularly within Kruger, my favorite thing are the birds. And so I have recently bought myself a camera um, that I use to take bird bird pictures with. And so when I've got a little bit of time, I like to go for a walk. I take my dog, whose name is Bailey. He's a little white Labrador. And Bailey and I go uh, walking out into the felt and we look for birds that we can take photographs of. So that's my absolute favorite thing to do, is to ideally to be in in the Kruger National Park. But if I have to be up here in Joburg, then just to find somewhere that I can go, that I can go and take photographs of birds. And then the other thing that I do on the weekends is um, one of my favorite sports is cricket. And I'm a cricket umpire on the weekends. 
I also love the kruka and cricket. If you've chosen another kind of career, what would、mm. I, what would it have been? Well, I would love to have been the captain of the Proteus cricket team, but I'm not very good at cricket, unfortunately. No, I think what I would have loved to have been was is a、um, a, a, a savanna ecologist. And, and、uh, so, an ecologist is someone who studies the Um, basically, studies the Kruger National Park, studies ecosystems,、um, and I would have loved to、uh, to work in that space.、Um, to maybe have worked on elephants or wild dogs or one of those sort of those sort of species、um, to see how they interact with each other and with、uh, the, the the broader world. And I think if I went back to university now,、um, that is the sort of thing I would I would study.、Uh, and if I had to pick any animal to study. I would probably pick vultures. Vultures are my absolute favorite. Have you ever made a weather prediction incorrectly? Oh, all the time, all the time. And so when I worked in in, in television, when I was doing the web,、um, I wasn't the one actually making the predictions. We would get the predictions from the South African Weather Service, and then my job was to take that and to put it onto TV or onto radio.、Um, but when I work as a cricket umpire. We have to keep an eye on the weather all the time because obviously you can't play cricket if it rains, and if there's any lightning, you're not allowed to to play cricket either. And so people often ask me, "What is the weather doing?" And I will look up at the clouds and I will try to make some sort of a prediction. And that's、uh, that's been quite fun because one of the reasons I got into weather is when I was a kid, when I was actually your age, I used to captain my school's cricket team, and、um, and my friends all knew that I was. Uh, that, that I was the son of a geography teacher, so they used to ask me, "What do I think the weather's going to do?" And my dad had taught me how to read the clouds and and predict and predict rain, and I was I was reasonably good at at at, at predicting. So, although yes, sometimes I do get the weather wrong. Generally, I think I get it more right than I than I get it wrong. How can someone predict the weather? So. Yeah, let's not worry about using big computers and so on. Let's just talk about if you are. Um, at home, and you're looking up at the sky. So, one of the ways in at this time of year, in the in winter in Johannesburg, one of the ways you can do it is if you look up into the Johannesburg sky and you see very long wispy clouds,、um, which we call cirrus,、um, but they can, they're sometimes called、um, horses' tails or pony tails.、Uh, so it looks like long brushstrokes across the sky. That is a sign that there is a cold front on its way. And that means that you're going to get much colder and windier, and maybe even cloudy weather in two or three days' time when you see that that sort of white painted cloud. Then in summer, we're looking at completely different sorts of clouds. We're looking at big thunderstorms, which we call cumulonimbus. And the way to tell if a cloud is growing and it might turn into a rain cloud is to look at the edge of the cloud. And if it looks like a hard edge. So it's still curved, you know. It's got those little curved、um, bubbles on it, as it were. But if the edge is very, very clear, then you know that the the cloud is growing, and so there's a good chance that it might become a rain cloud. But if the cloud is 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 wispy and it looks like、um, it looks like cotton wool that's been pulled apart, then you know that that cloud is collapsing, and it almost certainly won't result in rain. That is definitely very, very interesting. On that note. Let's take a song break, and we will be back soon.
Kids by kids. They are the high kids. Your host today is Hunter. That song was "We're the Smartest" from The Lion God. This is high kids for kids by kids. My name is Hunter, and you are listening to the High Kids Show on one hundred one point nine High FM. Before we carry on with our interview with Simon Gear, our tongue twister for today is: How can a clam cram in a clean cream can? I repeat, it is: How can a clam cram in a clean cream can? A bit later, you can call me on o one o one four o three o two o to see if you have if you can say it faster than me. I've Simon Gear in the studio with me. If you have any questions for him, you can send an SMS to three four five one nine, or a telegram to o six one eight nine five one o one nine, or call o one o one four o three o two o. Now let us carry on with our questions. How do you track climate changes? Yeah, another good question there, uh, Hunter.、Um, so there are a number of ways.、Uh, obviously, for the last 140 years, we've had we've actually been able to measure the, the weather, and so there are、um, there, there is good data going back、um, about 140 years in some places.、Uh, in South Africa, that data goes back to about 1960. So we've got what's that, sixty、uh, odd years of, of data,、um, but we're also able to look at the footprints that the weather leaves behind,、um, and so anything that is laid down in layers, so the rings of a tree or the layers of、um, stalactites, which are those、um, you know pointy rocks that grow in caves,、um, or the layers of a glacier. We can drill down into any of those sort of things, and we can look at the chemical makeup of those, and we can figure out what the weather was like when they were laid down. 
And so we can use um, trees to look at the weather back about a thousand years. Um, we can look uh, use glaciers to uh, look at the weather back a couple of hundred thousand years. And well, uh, um, uh, sort of tens of thousands of years. In fact, I think the biggest one goes back a hundred thousand. And then uh, we can look at static mites uh, that go back literally hundreds of thousands of years, maybe half a million years. And uh, and then you can look at uh, rocks and the you know, evidence from um, uh, you know from from ancient rivers and that sort of thing. Uh, and that can help us to infer what the weather was like millions of years ago. Can you tell us about your experience as a climatologist? So, yeah, let me tell you about 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 my experience as a, a TV weather guy. I think it's sort of what you mean. Although I do have, uh, so I still work as a, a climatologist, which is very much being an environmental scientist. Uh, when when people want to know how the weather is going to impact their mind, for example, their factory, I, I still do that sort of work. But, um, yeah, what I used to do was uh, I would wake up early in the morning, about four in the morning. I would go through to the TV studios. I would check what the weather is going to be for the day, and I would build those graphics. So those maps that you see on the on the TV screen, that would be my job to um, to build those. Um, and then I would go up to makeup, and I would get makeup put on me, not the sort of makeup that your mum put, puts on in the morning, but um, just um, uh, a powder to make sure that I don't I don't shine when I'm under the TV lights. And then put on my suit, and I would go and uh, present the weather on on TV. And then sometimes, um, well, every single morning, I would do my first TV weather weather broadcast, and I would quickly run to a telephone nearby, and I would take a phone call from seven o two, and I would do a radio weather forecast as well. So it was a very very busy mornings, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed that that sort of work. Do you use any tools or systems to predict the weather? Yeah, so the biggest uh, the biggest computers in the world are used to predict the weather, pretty much. And and these days with the internet, um, South African climatologists can can use American and European and Chinese uh, computers as part of their their forecast, and these model the weather right the way around the world. So that's a very sort of sophisticated way of doing it. Uh, and in school, there's just your natural experience of what happens in your uh, in your area. And um, and your eye, and you know, looking up at the sky to try and figure out what you think is going to happen in the next couple of hours. And that is very interesting. On that note, let's take a quick song break, and after the song, I'll count how many times you can say the tongue twister in ten seconds. You can call now on o one o one four o three o two o. Shining, shimmering, splendid. Tell me, princess, now when did you last let your heart decide? I can open your eyes, take you wonder by wonder, over sideways and under, on a magic carpet ride, a whole new world, a new fantasy. Fantastic point of view. No one to tell us no, or where to go, or say we're only dreaming. A whole new world, a dazzling place. 
By kids, for kids, by kids. They are the Chai Kids. Your host today is Hunter. That song was A Whole New World. It's a song from Aladdin. This is Chai Kids, for kids, by kids. My name is Hunter and I'm 10 years old. Are you ready for the tongue twister? This is how it works. You can call us on 010-140-3020 and I will count how many times you can say the tongue twister in 10 seconds. I will start. Are you ready? 3, 2, 1. How can a clam cram in a clean cream can? How can a clam cram in a clean cream can? How can a clam cram in a clean cream can? How can a clam... Do we have any callers for the tongue twister? Well done. On that note, let's go for a quick song break. I'm Lucas the Lazy Lion. I like to sleep under a tree. Deep in the African bushveld, that's the best place for me. I have a ferocious roar and four very big paws. Yet with these little tricks, I can scare everyone to bits. Sometimes I just purr. Sometimes I might growl. But you can rest assured, I roar when I want to be heard. Growl like a lion. Can you growl like a lion? go hunting for food because I'm seldom in the mood. I don't see the need to exert and besides which they're much more alert. So I lie there in the long grass and they bring me what I need. But I only take what I want. You see there's no need for greed. Sometimes I just purr. 
Sometimes I might growl. Grrr. But you can rest assured, I'll roar when I want to be heard. Can you grow like the lion? Grrr. Can you growl like the lion? Growl. And there's only one thing to keep the danger away. Can you roar like Lucas, the lazy lion? Growl. Can you roar like Lucas, the lazy lion? Growl. I may look to you quite tame and so regal with my mane. But I'm as wild as wild can be. Hear me roar and you will see. Sometimes I just purr. Grrr. Sometimes I might growl. Grrr. But you can rest assured. I'll roar when I want to be heard. Can you grow like a lion? Grrr. Can you growl like a lion? Grrr. And there's only one thing to keep the danger away. Can you roar like Lucas, the lazy lion? Kids for kids by kids. They are the high kids. Your host today is Hunter. That song was Lucas the Lazy Lion, a song from Beautiful Creatures. This is high kids for kids by kids. My name is Hunter, and I'm ten years old. Now let's wrap up the riddle. Remember. It was what building has the most stories. Do we have any callers for the riddle? If not, then I will let you know what the answer is. Drum rolls, please. A library. Well done to everyone who tried, and thank you for playing. This has been Rockets for Kids Rockets. My name is Hunter, and I would like to say thank you to my guest Simon Gear for coming on Rockets, to my producer Sana and Vusi for pushing the big red button. Join us next week for another Rockets show only on one hundred one point nine High FM. Rockets.